Every day, traders and investors dive in to tackle the ever-changing markets to find opportunity. Futures Radio Show is your number one source for answers to the questions that all market participants want to ask. Veteran futures trader Anthony Crudelli sits down with the most influential leaders and top traders in the industry. Now, here's your host, Anthony Crudelli. What's up, everybody? Anthony Crudelli here, and thank you for tuning in for this episode with Ed Latimore. Futures Radio Show is sponsored by CME Group, the world's leading and most diverse futures and options exchange. CME Group's markets help individuals and businesses around the world effectively manage risk. For access to free educational tools and resources for the active individual trader, please visit activetrader.cmegroup.com. Remember, everybody, new shows are posted on Mondays and Thursdays. You can subscribe to the show on iTunes, YouTube, Google Podcasts, Spotify, and Stitcher. If you're enjoying the show, please leave a review on iTunes. This show is also sponsored by Trading Technologies, FTSE Russell, and RJO Futures. To learn about some great offers that these sponsors have for our listeners, please visit futuresradioshow.com slash sponsors. Today I spoke with ex-heavyweight boxer, Amazon best-selling author, influencer, and all-around awesome guy, Ed Lattimore. In today's podcast, I chatted with Ed about street smarts, dealing with emotions, maintaining discipline, and last but not least, developing personal edge. So without further ado, let me take you right to the interview with Ed. Ed, welcome back to the show. Hey, thanks for having me, man. I was really uh, surprised slash flattered when I got the email that, that I guess by, by popular demand or something to that effect that I'm, I'm brought back on the show. Fintwit loves you, man. <laughs> they do. <laughs> which, which, you know, I'm always amazed by people who who become fans of, of my stuff and what I put out because I never do anything with an intention to attract a certain audience. I really am am fortunate that I get to be an artist in, in that I just get to create and enough people really enjoy what I create. And, and you know, I guess Fintwit is one of them. Yeah, I think that there are several reasons why we as traders, Fintwit as we call it, really connect well with you. It's your positivity, your energy, and really you're just – your commitment to maintaining discipline. And I think that for so many traders, we talk about discipline all the time, hearing from someone like yourself who's a former heavyweight boxer and, and how much you talk about dealing with emotion and, and maintaining discipline is something that really connects with us. But we're going to get into all of that today. First off, last time we spoke, you were talking about moving to Portugal. I know you made the move at the end of last year. How's everything going? I really enjoy it here, man. But this is like, you know, I, I think I talked about this in the show last time, but if I didn't, a uh, quick, uh, uh, quick update, uh, in general about my life, I grew up with no such opportunities as this. There was no traveling. There was no study abroad. And this is, you know, at the, I turned 35 here, uh, at, at 30, at the age of 35, you know, I get to finally do a thing like this. Uh, and, and I really put myself in a position to do this and it's been really great. So, so that in general, that, that whole feeling of, okay, a milestone that I was able to make happen. That's really a really good feeling. But the other things about, 
about being here or it's really great. I mean, it, the, the only thing I, when I first got here, I didn't miss anything about America. And I still don't really miss anything about America. What I do miss is I, I do kind of miss just being able to interact with my friends or see them. And, and that, I guess that's natural. I would not be a human if if I didn't have that feeling. So, but, but, but otherwise, man, I really, you know, I've, I've got a really great girl, man, and, and we do tons of things together you know fortunately we we like one another plus plus we've had the the fortune of not having to be in the same room or anything so you know we 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 won't see each other for for four to six hours a day usually on average because we work in different areas and then we get together and like go out to lunch or go out to dinner or go for a walk or something and it's cool and in doing so we discover more parts of the city there's always something to learn here because there there it's you know we, we love museums i love museums i love studying that kind of thing and if there's not museums, there's a lot of music and then and then even still with the way I eat and as disciplined as I am with my diet, you know, because the food here is, is such a, is of such a quality, um I get to eat eat quite a bit, but I'm still not eating a lot, you know, because I, I go, I eat, I eat, and then once I, once I finish eating, I usually have to walk uphill and both ways to get wherever I'm going, because this is this is quite a hilly place, both Porto, where I'm at now, and Lisbon, where I was for three months, so I've, I really enjoy being here, um, you know, I, I hate to perpetuate this idea, but like anyone thinking about traveling, at least to Portugal, you could probably get by uh, with just English, though your your experience will be far less enriching than if you go and put together at least a rudimentary level of Portuguese to communicate, like in restaurants, and showed it, like you know, you're not just another uh, British or American tourist. Cool, man. Well, I'm I'm very happy for you, and I'm just curious, what was the reason that you decided to move to Portugal? Um, you know. I, I've always wanted to try it. I mean, if, if you want to, like, like I thought about this because because there was no reason, like there was no pressing urge, you know. Like, like while, while my girlfriend's family and everything is from from Portugal, you know, it's not like she was like, oh, we got to go back or something. You know, this was all all very much my idea, and it was just the thing I wanted to do and try. And and say that I that I've done that to to say I've lived overseas and got to experience and, and see something other than the United States and and it was a stressful but like to say it was it was super easy it, it was it was not like prohibitively stressful like there were points where I was like oh my god I don't know if I'll be able to do this but there was stress involved making the move fortunately none of that stress was financial because you know I, I went and took care of my life in such a way but but there are other stresses like getting things together and managing another person's emotions as they're dealing with a, a stressful thing that you know she's just along for the ride for the most part even if you want to look at it in terms of like idea versus following so, so I have to be aware of that and work, work on that and and, you know, but, but I, I came here because it, it just it, it was a good hub point, it, as good a place as any to go check out and and be a uh, I guess be an expat temporarily. I don't know if this will be a permanent thing. I'm not I'm not really not I'm, I'm not not sure I th- I'm I'm built to be a permanent expat, but definitely uh, three to six months out of the year leaving the country is not about it. Especially when I left it because I live in the Northeast and it is a uh, it's winter right now, and it is. It's, <laughs> yep. So. Yeah, I'm actually in in Florida, so it's it's basically like our summer right now because our our summer is oh, like man. the the Norse winter. And uh, I want to move on. I want to talk about 
this new thing you've been talking about, and it's stoic street smarts. You've been posting about this. Oh, uh, yeah. You know, it's really it, – it's, it's, I guess it's a combination of, of kind of how um, I see – myself seeing the world or how I how I see the world and kinda, you know, what what tools help me navigate growing up and and, you know, continuing as an adult would help me to get control over particular problems or issues that I encountered. Some of them, you know, self, self-inflicted and others not so much. And it really has always been this 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 ability, a twofold ability. One, to assess the situation to to see the players and see what they're trying to do on um, what their motives are and then kind of align myself to be in the right place at the right time almost a machiavellian type of, of idea and that's the street smarts there but then there's the stoicism and that's my ability to kind of step back and not take anything in this game of life personally just to realize you know we're all just just players in the game and really you know you make the best moves and i mean ideally you make the best moves with a sense of ethics but but you have to i think it's all of our responsibility to to not assume that the other players will play the game as ethically as you will so you have to make sure you defend yourself and that's kind of where the street smarts idea comes from but but i thought i was thinking i was like okay what what, what best sums up the way i see the world and the way i move through it and, and that that stoic street smarts idea i uh, just just kept kept coming back to me because that that combination of things I think uh, can get a person through certainly um, many of of the natural kind of things that we are challenged about we you know we can't control where we're born for example we can't control you know our abilities and what we're good at and what we're bad at but we can make the most of it and part of making the most of that is to just be able to look at yourself and look at your situation and go okay this is that and not get angry angry about it and I get bitter about it but come up with a plan come up with a strategy come up with a way to maximize your living situation and I don't I don't think there are I won't say there are no so I'll say I don't think there are very many or are are many people at all who are completely hopeless I think we all have a way to to be someone or to, to make something worthwhile of our, out of our lives. But that requires looking at where we're inadequate, looking at where we're weak and going, okay, I can't do this. I can't do that, but I can do this. I can do that. Let me go focus on that. Let me go, you know, play to my strengths. And, and that's where that idea comes from the, the objective lens and then, you know, playing the game correctly. You know, hearing you talk about street smarts really resonates with me because I went straight from high school to the trading floors. Not straight to it. There's kind of a long story in between there. I'm not going to get into that today. But once I did get there, all I brought with me really was street smarts because I didn't have a college education. Oh, no kidding. Yeah, no, I never went. And I figured out the business. Uh, it took me obviously a lot of time and I had some great mentors and some great friends to help me along the way, but self-motivated, self-driven. And it really came down to, you know, I could figure things out. I wasn't the, the a book smart person in school, but I figured things out, right? And when I got to the trading floors, I figured it out. It took a long time, but it really just came down to me having a vision. And to be honest with you, it just working my ass off to really get what I wanted. 
I think a lot of people would. I think a lot of people would use that idea that, like, okay, I'm, I'm, I didn't go to college, therefore, I am going to be limited. And I think a lot of people would use that that idea. Maybe you know, maybe excuse is too strong and accusatory of a word, but certainly as a way to explain any inadequacy in their life rather than, you know, looking at it and going, okay, this is the path I've I've chosen and there are some things that have been closed off, but what can I, how can I, you know, take advantage of what is still open to me, where I can move, where I can make moves. And, and, you know, I I think about this because I was, I think in many ways, you know, the way I ended up going back to college, you know, because because I I didn't, I went back to college and and finished college at at the age of 33, no less. But one of the reasons I went back is because I think I had that, that limiting mentality. I was like, okay, what am I going to do? I can't get any jobs. Um, Instead of, you know, probably pushing a little harder and and working a little harder and, and perhaps taking the lesson that you just gave, which is, you know, hey, and, and the lesson that, that I've since learned and internalized even more, which is, hey, are you you make the best of your situation. And not only do you make the best of it, I mean, you really, <laughs> is a, from, from what I understand of trading and, and certainly one to for for a trader to have your reputation and prestige you certainly have been successful so that so so have you been any more or less successful than someone with a college degree the numbers say by by far you certainly have been more and that's what happened you got to see another door uh that opened and i think that that's really the the crux of the situation it's it's the same idea like why i started boxing i was like oh man i need to i need to to, i need to put sweat equity in somewhere and 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 do something uh and boxing made the most sense to me at the time it's not like i was going oh man i get all this rage let me get in here and bust some heads it was like no it wasn't well it's not that the story's not like that story very much is I felt like a loser and a lame, and I and I needed to start putting some sweat equity in somewhere, and this was a way for me to do it. I, I didn't have enough money to go back to school, so so I guess in some ways, you know, that, that I ended up going to school way after I started boxing. But when I said, okay, where am I going to get my sweat equity? Where am I going to start? You know, leaving a mark to show the world that I like exist, and time will pass, and people can look and go, "Oh, he did something." Said, "Okay, I don't have enough money to go back to school. I don't want to enlist in the military. Uh, I don't. I don't. At this point in time, I didn't think I had any type of ability with sales or any numerical talent uh, for for school. So I said, you know what, I can do. I can be tough, and let me see how long I can, you know, go banging some heads. And it worked. It worked out pretty well. But I guess in that in that regard, there's a same mentality. Hey everybody, a quick pause here to talk about Footsie Russell. They are a leading global provider of benchmarks, analytics, and data solutions. The Russell 2000 Index is a key benchmark for small cap U.S. stocks. Be sure to check out the E-mini Russell 2000 Index Futures Contract, symbol R-T-Y. For more information on Footsie Russell and their products, please visit footsierussell.com. Well, I went through a lot of your posts and I picked some of the favorite things, uh, my favorite things that you've talked about. And and I said, 
that trading is a journey of oneself. And I can relate to so many of the posts that you put out there. And one of the posts that you recently put out, and, and I loved it, it was how to forgive yourself and let the past go. Because I think that traders struggle with this. I know that I did. I internalized everything. You know, I'm such a competitor and blame myself for everything. You know, you, you want to do good. And when you're not doing good, you, you know, you put a lot of weight on yourself, a lot, a lot of blame on yourself. And it's hard to let that go. Talk to us about that post of you teaching people how to forgive themselves and letting the past go. You know, forgiveness is, is a really important thing to me. And I, I think it is. Uh, well, first, before I talk about what I think, let me talk about my experience with it. It it is single handedly been responsible, uh, I think, for many for for the relationship that I have, like with my mother, you know, because I had to do a lot of forgiving there in the relationship I have with myself, uh, particularly looking at uh, and, and reconciling some of the behavior uh, that I engaged in while I was under the influence of alcohol. And things of that nature. And I was like, okay, I need to move past these things. I need to live. I can't constantly beat myself up. I can't constantly feel angry when I think about uh, my life coming up and the things that I, that I became more aware of as I got older. So I said, what, what can I do? And I stumbled upon this book quite by accident in, in the um, in the bookstore about, at this point, one of my favorite, almost 20, almost 20 years ago, called A Course in Miracles. And the Course in Miracles, the entire premise is, is, you know, forgiveness is kind of a way to love and you need and you can and forgiveness will take you to peace and all that kind of stuff. Well, I read that a few times and I really internalized and started practicing this idea of like willful forgiveness. I didn't want to just wait for time to time to wash things away because one thing I, I've always recognized, and perhaps this is genetic, or maybe someone slipped a book of stoic ideas to me when I was a child and I don't remember. One thing I always recognized is that you need to have a clear emotional uh, you need you need to have a clear emotional temperament. Your your mind needs to be clear because the more emotionally volatile you are, the more likely it is you'll make mistakes. And when you make those mistakes, you're going to have to deal with those consequences or you're going to have to deal with like the consequences of those mistakes far after your emotional state is stabilized. In other words, you know, you don't want to do something with permanent repercussions in a temporary mindset. And so I've always been a big fan of keeping a cool head and trying to keep a cool head. But I but I could not think my way through certain emotional issues. And for that, forgiveness was necessary and forgiveness uh, uh, the, the whole idea is you know to, to give up before you're ready to you know I think a lot of times we hold these grudges against ourselves and we can't let go of the past because we want we we want the books to be balanced so to speak we, we when when, you, when people seek revenge uh, when people feel guilt that is a way to go okay something can happen that will make what happened in the past. Uh, even, you know, you took something from me, you're going to give me something back or, or I took something from the world. I got to give something back now when it's internally directed to guilt portion, but what forgiveness makes you do forgiveness makes you go, okay, I'm going to cancel this debt. And when you cancel that debt, then the ledger is clear and then you can start working on the other things that that ledger was keeping you from handling. That's a lot of energy. You know, if you have a grudge against someone, 
Um, well, what is that old saying? You know, having a grudge against someone is like swallowing poison and expecting them to die because they don't know. They don't feel anything. You're the one that carries uh, that poison. And and I believe that it is it is probably more natural to feel that way than it is to not. So you have to come up with some type of strategy, some type of tool to overcome this state uh, because because otherwise your your emotional attachment to hurt and your obsession with trying to effectively reverse the past to undo what happened uh, will destroy you. You can't think clearly, and I, I didn't want to destroy myself. It's the same idea behind why I stopped drinking is because once I recognized the behavior uh, or, a, or a, um, a trait in myself, I need, that, that was going to lead to me me ultimately ruining myself. I said, okay, I need to do something about this. I need to take take action. That's the thinking part. My thinking led me to forgiveness, which is an entirely emotional process. Okay, so for me personally, I was always able to, in the short term, I felt I was a very good healer. Like I'd have a losing trade and I was able to move on right away. But over time, as I struggled, I internalized all of the mistakes I had made. It's like I felt in the short term I was getting over it, but over time, yeah. I started to develop anxiety, and eventually I had a heart attack. I don't know if you and I ever talked about this, but I had a heart attack at 36 years old standing at my desk. And Yeah, yeah, I remember you me about that. And that was from, to me, not really forgiving myself in some ways. It was just internalizing everything. You know, I took a lot, uh, you know, it took me a lot of years to, to <laughs> turn the corner. And then I thought that even dealing with success was just as hard or even harder. I wasn't really ready to deal with success. So I, that, that had uh, given me a lot of challenges as well. And, and along the way, the mistakes I had made, all these things, they just kind of built up inside me. And I had this just a ton of stress inside me. And it was, I think it was because I wasn't able to forgive myself for a lot of the mistakes I had made. And you retweeted a tweet the other day that really struck a chord with me. And it was, I'm going to read it. You may be able to tune out your conscious mind, but your subconscious is always paying attention. That's why it's so important to get rid, to rid yourself of toxic people and circumstances that infect your mind. So, I remember suffering from anxiety, which to this day I've been able to really put it off. I still get it in, in some moments uh, where I would just get you know lightheaded uh, and I never passed out or anything, but I would have like these Tony Soprano moments. And oh, what, wow. what was interesting was I was actually talking with Denise Scholl uh, about this and I had said, you know, I never got it when I was at my trading screens. That was like my church, right? I'd be at my screens doing my job. Or, you know, when I was out even working out or focused doing something, I never got it. But when I would just be sitting around watching TV, all of a sudden I'd be like, oh my God, I'm having an anxiety attack. And I'm going, why is this? And it's exactly what she was talking about. She says, your subconscious is always working. Oh man, ain't that the truth? You know, like, like that actually reminds me of, um, this is such a great book. I need to reread it and, and take some notes. So... Uh, there, there's this great book called The Epidemic of Absence, and it's about the leading ideas for like 
dealing for for like allergies like why are we why are we allergic to food right and and the and the main idea the one that we that we think is is going to explain it and everything together is that our immune system evolved in a very dirty environment and now we're in a very clean relative to what we spent most clean environment relative to what we spent most of uh, our time in as evolving humans and you would think that the immune system would calibrate itself uh, to this clean environment but instead what the immune system seems to have done is it's gone huh there's nothing for there are no pathogens around so let me attack something that looks kind of like a pathogen. And it turns out that a lot of the things, those common food allergies, uh, the, the proteins look very similar to pathogens. And the immune system is, let me attack that instead. Right? Like we found out, for example, that our... Or I guess the author did this. He went and infected himself with tapeworm, and in doing so, he tapered down his body's reaction to other allergens that he was having because now it had something to focus on that was much more like the environment that it was used to. So drawing the analogy to that, I think, okay, you you remove that thing you're stressed about, right? You're not at your desk and then you go to some other place and you're right, it's always working, always eating away, but there's nothing to attack. So it's like, you know what? I'm gonna I'm just gonna make him feel like we were gonna attack something. We we have to do something. You know, it's it's too it's too calm right now. It's a, it's it's amazing how that works, isn't it? Uh and <laughs> yeah. I, I and I was taught that lesson through reality, <laughs> right? Uh, you know, you, these are some of the things that you don't necessarily believe until they happen to you. And I want to move on and talk about something that, you know, we as traders, we talk about how, well, a lot of people say, you know, you don't want to, you're not going to, you shouldn't trade with emotion. And I've talked about this so much on the show. I say that's impossible because emotion is, is part of us as human beings. So no matter what you're doing, there's always going to be emotion involved. So it's really just a matter of dealing with emotion. And you talk a lot about this. Talk to us about yeah. you as an athlete, you as a person, and how you've been able to deal with emotion. Um, you know, I, I've I've really learned to distance myself or did or be detached, so to speak. And and it's one thing to say it; it's a totally different thing to do it. Um, but but in in doing it, I have I have learned that I'm not necessarily uh, my emotional state. And and, I, and I've learned to kind of distrust my emotions, <laughs> believe it or not. Like, like I know, for example, we, you know, we can look at this in different ways. You know, I know that the same emotion, that my reaction to something uh, that makes me angry uh, is probably not a real threat, something that makes me nervous. I, I know that the odds of that coming true are not real or you know on the flip side you know if, if if some some pretty girl makes my heart race i know i'm just looking at her and it's not a real thing so i've I really learned to kind of be skeptical of how i feel not because how i feel is dishonest but because i understand that not everything needs a reaction 
And that's where you get in trouble with your emotions. Though you're like, we, we, we'll never be able to stop feeling. That doesn't go away. What we can do is stop reacting without thinking. Because some things demand a reaction, right? I don't think there's a thing that demands a mindless reaction. But there's always some, you know, your emotions happen for a reason. And you got to look at them and go, okay, is this something that I pay attention to? Is this something that is just uh, springing up in the moment? You really have to learn, or I've learned anyway, to think through the emotion. Because uh, one thing I had to learn how I got over my fear of lightning. Uh, I, I used to be, I, I mean, I used to be deathly afraid of lightning, almost as much uh, as I used to be afraid of dogs. And I used to be afraid of dogs because when I was like two years old, we got attacked by by a pack of Dobermans. It's crazy, man. And when I was even older, I don't, I don't remember where the fear of lightning came from, but that stuck with me forever. But I remember, I don't remember exactly like when I made the switch for dogs, but I remember very clearly when I made the switch uh, for lightning. And it was, you know, I, I knew the stats, like the odds of me being struck were, were, were I, th- I think I have a better odds of getting in a plane crash or something to that effect. They're, they're super high, right? But it's one thing to know the odds, and it's a totally different thing to, like, function in spite of what you know, you know, like, because if, if people paid attention to the odds, no one will be afraid of flying. Everyone will be freaking out when they get in their car. But But it's, like, just the opposite. And for me... I had to, when I went to basic training and there was so much marching and I had to march with such discipline and sleep outside during these thunderstorms in the middle of the country. And I was just like, oh, I'm still alive. Nothing's happening. It's just like, like you, you, you see that my, or I saw that my fear was, was irrational. Now, now that doesn't mean lightning's not dangerous. It just means the odds of being struck by it are so small. Uh, the EV of it is is like well, is like of infinitely negative, right? If it happens, it happens. But but one of the factors is super super small, which is which is like the odds of it, of it occurring. And when you experience that, when you experience exposure to these things, and you realize, okay, it's not that bad, then you can then you can apply that same bit of reasoning to the rest of your emotions, to the rest of the to the other things you see, both positive and negative. You realize that not everything is to be, you know, just because you feel happy uh, doesn't mean you need to go run off and tell everyone why you're happy. For example, you, you learn quickly with some feedback that perhaps it generates jealousy or whatever. And then you can sit and question, you know, but I never tell people to try and eliminate how they feel to cut that out only to not make your decisions based on it. And that requires that that small little interrupt getting right in between where, where you feel and when you do. I think I think low vibration people, people without discipline, they don't have that interrupt. And so their lives are, are as, as turbulent as our emotional states. But I think the successful people, they're able to get an interrupt. They have the they have a turbulent as turbulent of an emotional state as any other human. But they're able to get in the middle of things and and stop and think and then to decide how to react. And that's what I try to tell people. And that's what I do for myself. Do you ever use an emotion that's coming upon you as maybe an advantage, as an asset. And let me give you, let me give you a quick example. The example I, I for me is public speaking, right? I do it and every time before I get up there, 
you get nervous. I don't care who you are, right? You see a big crowd of people you have to speak to. I use that energy to get me more focused. Another example would be I'm sitting at my screens. All of a sudden, I get a really big position on. Maybe I'm a little bit over my skis. I feel, wow, I've got a lot going on here. Um, I look at that and I use that to say, you know what? You're you're just got way too much going on. Trim this back. Thoughts on that? Ah, uh-huh. okay, right. So, so what what you describe? I actually don't know what the word for it is. I just remember uh, or the phrasing or what we call it. I, I, but I, I remember I was I was taught to do this as an amateur boxer, and and like you said, you know, public speaking, just the same as getting in a ring, fighting with another man, and you know, the guy in there is a ref, and everyone's looking. It, everyone is nervous. Uh, leading up to that. So what you have to do, uh, I, or rather what I learned earlier, and I think we all learned to some degree as fighters, is fighting that feeling is exhausting. Like, you you won't be able to sleep the night before the fight, which is going to in turn affect your performance, and you're not going to be able to concentrate. You're going to be, be, you know, and then you'll be all jacked up and, and full of nerves. What's much better to do is is to really you know lean into it and be excited you know I, I it, this took me a little while because I'm naturally a calm guy and I don't like to give the appearance of being emotionally perturbed or excited but I've learned you know just just to just to run with it if if I'm excited about about a fight or was nervous about it I, I've just learned to to show that and use this excitement to use the charge my training up everything if if you can learn to lean into these things these nervous states these fearful states because, because really what are they what are they telling you, right like your emotions are always a source of feedback and and I don't know if this is accurate or not I just know that what I'm about to say is how I've chosen to interpret these situations. And so that gives me the advantage. And I choose to interpret anxiety. I choose to interpret nervousness as my um, as my body or my soul or whatever you want to call it, uh, telling me that there is something very important on the horizon. And I need to continue to prepare. I need to be ready. And I and and. And I know that it gives me. We know this bio biochemically that the the same hormones that give you those feelings of nervousness and anxiety they do give you a bit of an energy boost and a concentration boost. So I, I, I think about that and I go, well, I have this advantage, uh, and then these feelings. I know. I know that. Uh, I, if I continue to lean into it, I can I can ride that wave as opposed to being drowned by it. Let me go with it. And so, whenever I feel nervous about a thing, that just lets me know that I need to be prepared and I need to continue to be aware. If I do that, I, I really you know the, the best things tend to work out or tend to happen. I love that, man. I I, I do the same thing. Hey, everybody! I want to take a quick pause and talk about RJO Futures. They are a long-standing brokerage firm with personal broker relationships to learn, discuss, and trade the futures markets. To learn more about RJO Futures, please visit rjofutures.com. A couple more things before we get into rapid fire. Maintaining, okay. maintaining discipline. I mean, you talk about discipline all the time. And gotten to know you a little bit, been following you for years. You have a great ability, obviously, as a professional athlete and beyond now in in what you're doing with your blogging and influencing people is you are able to maintain discipline. Talk to us about how you're able to do that. 
Oh, I, I remember that. I'm here for. Well, well, you well. Let's let's make it even more meta than just the blog game for everything. I have a purpose and I have a, I have a goal, right? And anything that gets in the way of that goal is, by definition, uh, a distraction, if not downright superfluous. And I try to eliminate uh, all extraneous, all superfluous things from my from my uh, daily activities. So I can get done what I feel is important to get done. That doesn't that doesn't guarantee that I've made the correct decision in determining the order of importance of activities. But it does mean that I'm trying to move towards a thing with purpose. And that tends to work out better than just winging it. And so when, when I do that, whether whether, you know, I have my, I have my goals for my, my physique and how I want to look and how I want to feel and 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 I, and I have no problem touching the dark side when it comes to that. And I always talk about the idea of touching the dark side, which is, you know, you have to understand, you know, why? Why are you doing something like like I, I'm not competing in athletics anymore, realistically, for the rest of my life. But I continue to go to the gym kind of like I do, because I like I would like to look like I compete in athletics. That, that, that's, a, that's a certain a bit of vanity for me, and I greatly enjoy that, right? And you got to lean into it. There's no shame in that. And then I can use that. I can take that insecurity, and then I can funnel that through a, a disciplined plan. Okay, that I can eat that. That's cool. I cannot eat it. That's cool. I, I got to get to the gym. You know, I got to stay on top of my calories. Um, I really make myself excited about what I want to do. And then from there, it's very easy to think back through, okay, how do I make sure I get to the goal? And you know what the great thing about fire, and the great thing about everything I've, I've, I've endured in my life, um, I think I think the three big successes I would consider so far in my fighting career, getting my degree in physics despite, you know, failing math in high school, and the success and, and you know, I guess – SEO ranking on my blog and everything. Well, uh, these three things have reinforced the idea to me that all things worthwhile take time. They take hard work and time and to not expect an instant result. And I think one thing that ruins a lot of people's discipline is they expect an instant result. When it doesn't happen quickly, they're ready to give up. Like, 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 could you imagine, you know, taking that taking that approach to anything? Oh, uh, you know, I want to I want to, you know, lose 10 pounds. It didn't happen in the first 10 days. It's time to go back to eating trash. Right. And I really think a lot of people uh, move that way. I, I don't think it's they lack the desire. They lack the patience that that said desire requires, you know, we, we want the thing now. And when it doesn't happen now, the irony is our impatience guarantees we're never going to get it. So I've, I've really learned to be, to be patient and not expect things to come quickly. And in doing so, um, or I do it also with the, uh, you know, with the, with the intent of working towards the goal or rather working towards the goal and, you know, getting in touch with whatever my real reasons are, not the good reason, because, you know, you, someone asked me to, if someone asked me, you know, why do you work out so hard? I, I could tell them a good reason. Oh, I want to be healthy. I'm getting, and, 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 and let's not, uh, let's not make it all about vanity. I'm, I'm, I'm 35 and I fully recognize that at this point, I, you know, I, I still have time working with me a little bit, but, but in three years, probably not so 
so much. You know, at that point, I'll be fighting or at least even uh, with, with nature. So I need to continue to make sure I eat well and sleep well and train well so my body doesn't deteriorate. So, I'm, you know, so when I'm 45, people don't go, oh, that guy must be 50. I want them to continue to look at me and go, okay, he might be 35, you know, make that kind of mistake. So so that kind of thing. And the same way with, with uh, finances, you know, I, I recognize that I, I don't, I wanted to live a lifestyle where I could, you know, go out. I was talking to my girlfriend about this last night. Like, I mean, I, I like I know dinner costs something last night, right? Uh, but I'm, I'm, I'm a long ways away from having to think about that I spent that money or even concerning myself with the menu. And that's a really a big deal to me because, you know, we, we grew up very poor and food was a very big deal. Uh, and so I was like, okay, how can I make sure I get into a position where I don't have to do this? Well, first, it requires not wasting money on other things. Then it requires a long-term vision working towards something that's going to continue to kick back, kick back, kick back, and then continue to work, continue to work. It really is just this patience, man. I think that's what – if I could give my secret to discipline – uh, patience. And, and I, I don't think a lot of people think about how important that is, is really realizing that it's not going to happen quickly and just being ready to put in a lot of hours. I agree with you totally. And I think for traders, expectations get in the way of their process. I mean, I know for me, that's exactly what happened. You go into this business, you want to make money. Like you said, going back to your, I want to lose 10 pounds. Well, the minute you get this wrapped in your mind that you want to lose 10 pounds, you do things and immediately you want to see those results. And when you don't, you get frustrated and because you're not meeting your expectations early on, you divert back to uh, what you were doing before. And this is... This is so difficult to teach <laughs> because for me, <laughs> right, it's one of those things where I look back at my life and I, and when I thought so short-term and wanted those results and I was so hyper-focused on, I need to make money today, I need to do this today, that I lost sight of why I was doing it. And when you think a little bit longer term, to me, shorter-term results actually come quicker. Yeah, almost by definition, you know? They they show up quickly, but but like you know, I I just wish people would 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 realize that 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 anything worth having takes effort and time. You know, otherwise no one would want it. Like yeah. <laughs> you know, uh, like like you know, when you make a th- when a thing is scarce, it becomes more valuable. And so you have to look and go, okay, what is scarce that I can do? I was talking to my SEO guy, one of the guys, well, not one of my, not my SEO guy, but one of the guys that I that I spent a lot of time learning from. And and one thing has become really clear over the past, uh, especially six months for me, and continuing moving forward, my strategy for everything, what, what my writing and all, is that no one wants to put the time and energy and risk into learning and optimizing the website for search engines because it takes time. It's not nearly as glamorous and as fast as building a, a Twitter following up and and then trying to sell something to your Twitter following. But the thing is, when you do it that way, you always have to sell something to your Twitter following, and then you're dependent on Twitter. You know, which is you know neither here nor there. It just uh, it's something worth considering. 
But if you take the time to build a a decent website, yeah, at first it's going to take a little while. But but I look at the like some of the guys I, I look up to and I try to emulate uh, things they're doing, like you know Jordan Harbinger, or James Clear, or James Ulster, or Mark Banton. I mean, I look I look at these guys. They've been writing and blogging for a decade. And their website and mailing list alone dwarfs anything that I, I've seen. And I look at it and go, how could I ever like like part of me goes, how could I ever reach those numbers? And another part of it goes, I, I have to reach those numbers because that makes the most sense. And if they did it, uh, I can do it, too, which, which is another thing, too, I think really aids in discipline. It's kind of this little bit of a. Uh, arrogance you have to have about yourself you have to look at and go okay what is so special about these guys nothing okay so if they did it then then not only can i do it i can probably do it faster and better let me just learn from them be humble and work harder and no one wants to once again this is a very i don't like you said i don't know how you you know how do you teach patients how do you teach the ability to uh to believe in yourself how do you get a person to go okay they didn't and their nose they're not special um how do how do i do it too or you know can i do it? and i and i think that's very difficult if not impossible really uh to teach without without you know getting the getting the other negative externalities that come with come with that type of perspective which which does tend to be a bit of an inflated sense of ego arrogance but you know uh you, what do they say you can't you can't make an omelet without breaking some eggs right i mean there's there's trade-offs to everything <laughs> yeah you know it's funny when you're young at least for me you feel like you don't have a lot of time and you want results right away and yeah. as time goes by and you get some experience in life experiencing your business you're okay with it taking a little bit longer <laughs> and your results come quicker. And to me, that's how I ended up learning patience is that, okay, when I finally realized I'm not going to get the results that I want right away and I changed my, my tone, right? I changed my approach. I was in it for a longer haul. I wanted to be able to do something for a longer period of time. I had longer term goals and shorter term goals. And then things started to open up for me. Uh, when you get too focused on something happening right away to me you just lose sight of it and yep a, a lot of what we talked about today is developing personal edge and, and i talk about this with traders all the time i'm like look at you could learn the technicals and the fundamentals they're the easy part but to me to make it in anything Right, specifically trading, and I think very similar, maybe even for a boxer. Right, you you could learn how to punch, you could learn how to block a punch, you could learn the techniques, but you need to have personal edge to be able to compete at a high level. Right, yep. it's not just X's and O's. So, Ed, give everybody some, let's just say, tips for developing. <laughs> personal edge i'm like i said man I'm, I'm such a big fan of well well one 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 my idea to dark side you know you know know you know your your real reason not your not the good reason you know is it is it to to be famous you know they, they be like oh no one wants to be famous look man some pe people want to be famous and there's nothing wrong with that and don't let anyone shame you if that's what you want do you want to be rich if you want to have a bunch of money and be rich you may have no idea what that means but if that's what you're chasing chase it right that's part of it 
And the other part is you have to be just you you have to spend I mean some people get lucky I think. Others have to you know, they, they don't get so lucky in this regard and have to try a little longer. But you have to figure out what you're good at. And and every person I think has something or some combination of qualities that gives them a unique edge that makes them nearly I mean, you can almost you can't compete with them in this realm. You just have to spend too much time. You'd have to work twice as hard and get a tenth of the results that they get, and that is discouraging. And if you if you learn where your area is, that other people have to to have to work twice as hard, can only and still can't catch up with you. You're still leaving them behind. In fact, uh, you're gonna do do great, and you and you marry that to. Uh, like whatever your desire is, and you're chasing that combined with what 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 I what I like to describe as a wicked will, you know, kind of that I'm gonna get this uh, any way I have to, or how long it takes. Uh, those three things, uh, I think that gives you an edge because look, one thing that that we discuss in fighting, for example, it is it is very all things considered equal. Uh, the person who is willing to die first is going to have the edge. And I, I put it that way to kind of frame it dramatically, but the idea is that it's very difficult to beat someone who will not be beaten, who will not sit down, who will not lay down, who will not quit. That's where they have to be removed, like they have to be killed or, or removed, like eliminated. You can't do anything about them. There will always be a problem. If you have that kind of, kind of grit, uh, you're going to be a very effective person in anything you try to do. Combine that with figuring out you know, your exact reason and that drives you. Combine that <laughs> with figuring out where your unique edge is where people cannot compete and they cannot do a thing with you where 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 their where their best day is quite literally one of your worst days in that same area. Those three things combined that gives you an edge and that's gonna make you very difficult to be and it's gonna bring you a lot of success. And more importantly, I think it's gonna bring you success in an enjoyable way, the way you want it, not the way uh other people think you should be successful. And I'm loving this conversation, but we've got rapid fire questions next. If you're ready for those. All right, let's go. All right, everybody. Our rapid fire segment is sponsored by trading technologies, trade the global markets with TT. They are the world's fastest commercially available futures trading platform. Now with integrated tools for advanced options, trading cryptocurrencies and trade surveillance. You can try it now for free at try Ed, first question for you. Who has influenced your life the most, and why? Um, the, the 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 biggest influence, probably my coach, man. Like, like really, like like my boxing coach back home. I I that was the first one of my first experiences, uh, seeing someone conduct themselves the and in, in every way, shape, or form they preached and taught for for boxing and I said you know I I would like to be that kind of shining example you know the the guy that tells you uh you have to work out do this do that and he himself is is working out and and staying in shape and eating well and and that kind of thing it, I think I think um my coach had a really big influence 
on how I look at, and how I want to be seen. Like, like if there's anyone who's not a hypocrite, uh, <laughs> it's my coach. You know, the the guy who's like who who tells you to go run this many miles or to eat this, and he eats it and does it himself. And you're like, man, you don't even compete. So if you think it's worthwhile, I need to do it too. Favorite form of exercise? I'm a big fan of. The rowing machine. I really like the rowing machine and the heavy bag. Those are probably Todd. You know, and you know what else too? This is like it's gonna be like one of those things when I move back to the states and I'm where I wherever I get a place to live. I'm gonna get in the house. I'm gonna I'm gonna get a uh, dance dance revolution machine loaded up with all the songs. I don't know if you know what that is, but I'm a, I'm a really big fan of DDR. Great exercise, and I would love to get an arcade machine. So so those three things: dance dance revolution, hitting the heavy bag, and the rowing machine. Keto or paleo? Ah, uh, paleo, man. You know, because at, at the end of the day, I really think you need carbohydrates, man. Uh, and 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 you know, I, now I don't think you need refined carbs. I think you need you know good hearty vegetables and and things like that. Uh, I think I think the breads and then the sugar. I think we get way too much of that in our diet. Plus, you know, I'm just not going to be that strict anymore. I don't, I mean, actually, I don't think I ever was. At at some, like, like everyone has their limit, and part of being disciplined is realizing where your limit is. And I don't even eat that much garbage. I just, I just think that the, uh, the paleo diet is superior. Anything that eliminates an entire food group, um, whether it's it's positive and negative members of that group it eliminates an entire micronutrient. Yeah, that's that's not hot for me, man. I can't get behind that. So I'm, I'm with paleo. Now I've I've done keto before. That's not I don't I don't want to paint the picture that I that I'm just you know speaking on without experience. I used it twice to cut for a fight. I'll never do it again though. What is one attribute that you believe every athlete should have? Grit. Man, you grit and and grit is I I think I read this somewhere that uh, grit is the ability to persist towards a goal in the face of negative feedback, like like something bad happening, you know, someone telling you you ain't gonna you know be anything, whatever, right? Uh, because because the world does not the world is impersonal. I really believe that, uh, and so you're going to need to be focused on what you want and continue moving towards it, especially when there's, there's all the evidence to the contrary. I think, I think you need grit. What's the best piece of advice that you've ever received? Oh man. Oh, I'm trying to think the single, single best piece of advice that I ever received. Uh, you know what? Um, a friend of mine is is really one of the reasons uh, he talked to me about getting sober, man. He's like, if you take everything, he and he said, if you if you uh if I was you, I would cut everything out of your life for two years. This nonsense and just focus on boxing. And I took that and I and then I ran with. It. Now now six years has passed and I still haven't had a drink. So and it really changed my life. Best book you've read lately. Uh, so I'm reading two right now. I'm reading uh, On Killing by Lieutenant Dan Grossman, and, or Grossman, I think, and uh, Thinking in Bets by Annie Grossman. Oh, uh, by, 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 not Annie Grossman, Annie Duke, the poker player. And I really like both of them. I'll have to probably give the edge 
to uh, on killing right now because it really, really examines a thing that we thought we knew or and understood like well like okay you know men killing one another and and turns out you know the the humans are very resistant to killing and we can learn quite a lot about our fellow men and and how much we care for our species just intrinsically by reading this book favorite vacation spot you visited um so so far my favorite place has been quebec city in the winter man i know that's weird but uh it, it's like a constant winter wonderland. The last time we were there, we we landed. It was negative 16 degrees Fahrenheit, and it snowed the whole time. And we stayed in the Fairmont Hotel in the old city behind the, you know, the walled city. And it was like, we, we got up there on like January 2nd or 3rd, and it was, it was, it was still like Christmas. There was snow, and it was dogs letting in. I love it. I love snow. I'm, I'm a really big fan of precipitation falling from the sky in general. Uh, but but to to have that the snow was really cool. So if if anyone gets a chance to check out a, a true winter wonderland, and it's beautiful in the spring, I hear too. I haven't been up there uh, yet. Last question for today: Since you just moved to Portugal, what's your favorite thing to do in Portugal? Oh man, I really like. I really like taking walks, man. <laughs> it's such a nice, such a walkable city, uh, or walkable country in general. But but the food, but, but, but besides taking walks, something more interesting than that, man. I really like listening to Fado music. Uh, if you get a chance to hear live Fado, man, it's cool, man. They, they you have some food, listen to some good music. It's very emotional, sung from the heart. It's the music that that was the the music of uh, during the dictatorship. Of uh, Salazar, you know, one of the, I think the most recent dictatorship to uh, to end outside of like Cuba. Uh, so, so when uh, there was a former music man, people were sad as shit, man, and, it, and it's it's uh, persisted. Ed, where can people find you on Twitter, also Instagram, which is I, I love your Instagram page by the way, and give us a website to oh, check thanks. out. Oh man, so so everything is Ed Lattimore. Very easy. My Twitter is at Ed Lattimore, E D L A T I M O R E. My website is edlattimore.com and my Instagram is Ed Lattimore. Everything is all Ed Lattimore. And I feel sorry for the guy born after me who wants to get that uh get that <laughs> name, man. I locked it up on every platform. It's <laughs> awesome. Ed, what can I say, man? Every time I speak with you, I'm always learning something. You're such a great guy. I love all the stuff that you put out there. Um, I, I recommend everybody listening to go and check out uh, Ed's social media sites and his blog. Ed, thank you so much for coming on Futures Radio Show today. Hey, thanks for having me, man. I really appreciate you having me. Thank you for listening to Futures Radio Show. If you enjoyed the show, please leave a review on iTunes. You can listen to all of our episodes on FuturesRadioShow.com, iTunes, YouTube, Google Podcasts, Spotify, and Stitcher.